Two weeks ago, I preached a sermon when the readings were focused on John the Baptist and actually the Old Testament reading, which is a prophecy about Jesus coming from the book of Zechariah, about clothing. And some of you that were here may remember that, but I see we have quite a number of visitors today. It's wonderful to have you here. But you weren't here, so you don't know what the sermon was about. But it's interesting that throughout Scripture, you will see analogies made periodically or even descriptions of what people are wearing because clothing comes into play a lot in our lives, either because clothing depicts something about the person or because they are a reflection of spiritual truths. Let me give you an example. When you hear what John the Baptist wore, his strange clothes, it tells you something about John the Baptist. He was different. He was unusual. And the Old Testament reading that particular Sunday was from Zechariah chapter 3, talking about prophecies about the Messiah. And in Zechariah chapter 3, chapter 3 begins with Joshua the high priest, representing the people of Israel. And the vision was that he was dressed in filthy clothes. And the Lord took those filthy clothes and he replaced them with a white robe. And fast forward into the New Testament, this prophecy about this messianic figure coming is that through Jesus Christ, we have the privilege of putting on the righteousness of Christ and being transformed. And oftentimes we see this image played out before us in our tradition in baptism, where babies come in and they have these white flowing gowns, these little babies, and they're baptized. And it symbolizes being covered with the righteousness of Christ. Well, once again, today's readings reflect a lot with clothing in different ways. Now, you might not have caught that. It's more obvious in the Isaiah reading than it is in the gospel reading. But the gospel reading refers to Jesus taking on flesh. Interesting. That he is, if you will, clothed in flesh. And typically when we hear flesh, we think maybe one thing in Scripture because typically the word flesh depicts the downside of our human nature. Body is more neutral, but flesh depicts the downside. But Jesus transforms that. That's the gospel. Isaiah, it's much more obvious. Now think about, I'm just thinking about the last week, the last couple of months, and how clothing really is so evident of what's going on or can be what's going on with people. Last evening, last evening, I was at a Clemson party. In a sea of orange and purple. I didn't have a dog in the fight. In fact, one of the comments that happened early on in my time there, where's your orange? And I said, because I don't care. I was there for the fellowship and the food and the fun, and it was. It, it was a lot of fun. But, I mean, it was amazing, the sea of orange and purple there. Everybody was for Clemson at this particular party. And over the past week, you know, for Christmas and how people dressed for Christmas. That one commercial uh, I think it's Portal. Have you seen that commercial with, with the, uh, the, the single woman baking in the kitchen and the, and the couple and the sweater? 
Oh, you're going to an ugly sweater party. And they look like, no, we're not. This is what we wear. We like these Christmas sweaters. <laughs> you know, the reality is, is that people wear their Christmas clothing. And sometimes people think it's stupid or ugly. And sometimes we change. And sometimes what we wear depicts what we're feeling. And sometimes what we wear doesn't necessarily depict what we're feeling because we're not feeling particularly up. And maybe we wear the clothes in order to get the Christmas spirit, as it's called. Because we're feeling down, maybe because we're sad or because we're hurting. But we wear the clothing anyway. Over the past couple of months, I've done a few weddings and, you know, of course, the color of the bride oftentimes is white. And then I've done a few funerals as well, and oftentimes the color is black, depicting oftentimes what the feel is. And some of you are going to be dressing up in the next couple of days for New Year's Eve parties or New Year's Day parties. And some of you women probably already have picked out what you're going to wear. That's a guess. And some of you will change your mind. And some of you will change your mind because of what you're feeling. It's amazing how much focus we give to clothing. Well, at least some of you. Looking around, maybe not. But it really is amazing. Because clothes do play a role in our lives. But sometimes it can just be something totally superficial. Has little to do with what's going on inside. And that's part of the reason the prophets would talk about how the people of Israel were living out their lives. That some of the prophets would say something about how the people would do the sacrifices, or they would say things with their lips, but their hearts were far from the Lord. But then you come to Jesus Christ, who puts on flesh. You would think that would mean that, therefore, he's going to take on that human nature that's yucky, the sin of human nature. And in fact, it's the exact opposite. That when he takes on human flesh... He shines with light. And his light is life. And not only is his light life, but we're told, as the passage comes to, to an end, close to the Father's heart. I love that line. He is close to the Father's heart. And it shines through his life. That's why he is the light. That's why he brings life. And that's really the focus. That in our flesh, we can be transformed. We can be like him. And we can have this life lived 
close to the Father's heart. Now, with that in mind, I want to go to the Old Testament reading. And you can look at your bulletin, or you can look in the Pew Bible on page 678. But I want to walk through this Isaiah passage with you that was written 700 years before, depicting the Messianic age as Jesus comes. And look how much this whole idea of the outward, the clothing, and the, and the analogy that's used with what we wear. And the number of examples that we have. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God. This writer is so filled with joy. That the whole being is consumed with joy. They wear it, if you will. The joy is coming through their hearts, their lives. And also, he has clothed me with the garment of salvation and covered me with the robe of righteousness. You see what happens through Jesus Christ. This messianic age breaking into our hearts and our lives. We have his salvation when we receive Jesus into our hearts. It begins inwardly. And then outwardly we take on this righteousness that we are meant to be clothed with. Our lives are transformed. The transformation begins inside out. That it's not just superficial on the outside. And notice the words that come next. As the bridegroom decks himself with a garland, as the bride adorns herself with jewels. Now the biblical image is here. The bridegroom is often the Lord. Jesus is referred to the bridegroom who comes for her bride, the church. So Jesus, the bridegroom, has the garland, which is what the athlete wears when the athlete wins, which is what the king wears. It's the crown of honor. It's also what the bridegroom wears. And we're going to see later on reference to a crown. And we see the bridegroom, that would be us, those of us that believe, are decked out in jewels, our finest. We shine, we glow, because we have the Lord in our lives. The best, the jewels. I just think these images are so wonderful. And this whole idea that we can't hide it comes through. Look at the next couple of verses. Verse 12, or I'm sorry, 62 verse 1. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. We can't keep our mouths shut. Going back to this football game last night, you could tell whether you were watching the game or not if something good happened for Clemson or something bad happened. It doesn't matter they were leading by 21 points. It didn't matter. It was amazing. They couldn't keep quiet. That's what happens. When you are filled with the Lord, you can't keep quiet. If you really, really understand. You know what's amazing about this? How much in the big scheme of things, just think about this, how much in the big scheme of things does football really matter to life? 
I mean, I think football's great, mind you. But really, when it comes to your character, your eternity, does football really matter? Unless it's the Pittsburgh Steelers? No! It really doesn't. And yet it comes out. We can't keep quiet. Until our vindication shines out like the dawn. When the sun is rising. It's obvious. When the Lord is in our lives. That truth is meant to be obvious. The next line. And our salvation like a burning torch. That light, His light, shining in us and through us. Remember the, the song that you often hear children sing, This little light of mine, I'm going to sh- let it shine, right? Hide it under a bushel. No! I'm going to let it shine, right? Children do that. You can't help but let it shine. And you don't want to hide it. That's how we're meant to be. The joy's overflowing. We want to rejoice. We want to worship. We can't contain. When we really understand this truth, that Jesus is alive in us. I mean, it's line after line piled up. The nations will see your vindication. And all the kings your glory. Again, this whole idea that there will be people, people witnessing. They're going to hear us. They're going to see us. They will be witnesses to what is going on in us. Because that truth is real. That's meant to be the story of our lives. Our lives are meant to be distinct. Different. That's what the word holy really means. Set apart. For Him. Transformed by Him. By His Holy Spirit working in us and through us. You shall be called by a new name. You know, over and over again in Scripture, we see that whole idea. Abraham, the father of faith. His name was Abram and his name was changed to Abraham, the father of many nations. Jacob, whose name means deceiver. His name is changed to Israel, one who strives with God. And we who are believers in Jesus Christ, we are called what? Christians. Christ in us and through us, meant to be obvious to the world. That's who we are. A new name. A new name. It's like when someone gets married. The bride takes on a new name. The couple has an identity that's together. A home together. Plans together. A future together. That's the way our life is meant to be. And then this last verse. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. In the hand of the Lord. See, we don't earn this crown. 
And we can't take it. It doesn't belong to us. We are given the crown. Because of his death on the cross, because of his resurrection, we are given the crown. And it's through his hand that he shares with us. During this day, who has a crown? A king has a crown. And a poor person or a rebel has no claim on that crown. We are poor sinners. That God says, I give you a crown. And you are a fellow heir. An athlete that wins gets the crown. And God says, I give you the crown. See, this is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The one that Paul writes in Philippians 2, humbled himself, emptied himself, went to the cross, that the crown that he started with was the crown of thorns. That as we see at the end of that hymn in Philippians 2, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He becomes the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he gets the crown, and he shares it with us. When we reside with him in heaven. That's the gift. It's not what we deserve. That's the gift. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he took on the filthy clothes for us. We see it in the book of Revelation played out in a beautiful way. When the lamb takes the throne. You know, right now, we're in between two celebrations. That's how I started this service. I don't know if you caught that if you were here. We're in between Christmas and New Year's. Christmas, we celebrate that gift, that coming. And New Year's, a lot of times, we make resolutions or we say, this is a new year. It's going to be different. It's going to be better. It's going to be great. You know, a lot of people start off that way. Some people are dreading a new year. But we have the opportunity to say, I am going to make this a year. That I will live as Jesus lived, close to the Father's heart. That I will take on that clothing, His righteousness. That I will be filled with joy and shine with his light that I can't contain. Because we're close to the Father's heart. Because the Spirit is in us and with us and wants to shine through us. When we are His, filled with joy, 
filled with light. And that's your choice. And that's my prayer for your new year. Live close to the Father's heart. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes when we put on clothes, we're just trying to put on, trying to fake it. And it's just superficial. Lord, I pray this year that those who may never have made that commitment to receive you as Savior and Lord, that they might take that step as we begin this new year. To be filled with your spirit and transformed by your grace. And learn what it means to live close to the Father's heart. For those who have distanced themselves, Lord, that they might return and live close to the Father's heart. And Lord, for all of us, Because we have that new name, Christian, Christian, because he, by the cross and resurrection, by the power of the Holy Spirit has transformed us, that we might shine forth with his light, be filled with his joy. that that light would be undeniable to the world around us. That they would be witnesses of your grace in us. And that we might live day by day close to the Father's heart. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.